what's interesting from a data point of view, it doesn't abstract the data into any other form. The data is the form. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. That's Q-L-I-K dot de slash data stories. It's a new data stories. Hi, Enrico. Hey, Moritz. How are you? Good, good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Back from holidays, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But I had a great time. I had a great time just getting some rest. Very good. And enjoying, enjoying New York a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I managed to work on a few sides pro- side projects, which is wow. was really nice. A really good feeling. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. How about you? Good, having a good start back into the year and yeah, fairly stressless and a few new projects. So uh, I'm excited. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> uh, we also have something new for data stories. Yep. Yeah. So uh, this next few weeks and months, uh, we will try to make data stories a crowdfunded podcast. That means we used to have corporate sponsors and we want to have it sponsored by you, by our listeners. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a big change. And we are really hoping to make it happen over the next few weeks or even months. Uh, we started promoting the uh, crowdsourcing on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and all of our channels. If you don't know, so we, we are doing that on Patreon. Patreon is a new platform that makes uh, this kind of crowdfunding initiative way, way easier than they used to be. And basically, the one of the most important aspects of how Patreon works is that you basically pay only when we publish something. So it really does feel like paying uh, for what we do, right? So if we don't produce anything, yeah. you just don't pay, <laughs> which I think it's a, it's a really good model, right? Yeah, and, and you also decide how much you pay. So it's yeah. basically like a voluntary subscription and... Totally voluntary. We don't threaten to stop anything. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you enjoy our show and want to contribute and help us produce the show, um, then now you have a chance to contribute. Yeah, a and I, I just want to point out that once we manage to switch to the crowdfunding source completely, we'll get rid of ads. But I also want to clarify that uh, we never had that a problem with any of the of the company that we advertised in the past. We've always been very free to talk about anything. <laughs> so it's not because we received any pressure of any kind from, from, from these companies. Actually, that's a good opportunity to say thank you to all the companies that helped us. <laughs> right. I think that's a that's important to point out. Yeah, absolutely. No, no. And it's also, it's a model we can also continue. This is more like an experiment. Yeah, exactly. We just thought over the holidays, man, that would be the ideal setup if actually the listeners exactly. would, you know, carry the whole thing together with us. But if it doesn't happen, that's fine too. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, go to the website. There's the link to the Patreon page and you'll find more details there. And yeah, we would be happy if you contribute. 
Um, but enough about us. Um, let's get into the yeah. show. And uh, as usual, we have a special guest on the show. This time around, it's Brandon Dawes uh, from the north of England. A lovely British accent. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Brandon. Hello, Moritz. How are you? Fantastic. How are you? I'm very well. Enrico, how are you? You good? I'm good. Yeah. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on on the show. It's uh, I'm not sure what I'm doing here, really, but you know, I'll try and give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brendan, we love to have British voices on the show because we are always. So, at the beginning of the show, there was one person uh, describing our show as. Uh, something like beautiful or interesting, exotic Euro voices. Yes. Right? <laughs> so that's your main qualification at this point. So this exotic <laughs> Euro voices is, <laughs> it's been there forever. So every time we have a British on the, on the show, it's like we have a proper, proper accent here going. <laughs> well, I, I think yours sounds much more exotic than mine, both of you actually, but um, yeah, yeah that's, so. <laughs> that's the funny thing. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing with being exotic. It's different for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, Brendan, can, can you tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, what you're working on usually? Yeah, um, uh, my name's Brendan. I'm a designer uh, and I guess a bit of an artist. Um, and I I do lots of different things. I, I make physical electronic things. I do video installations, uh, bits of software, things on the web. Um, all sorts of stuff, really. I, and sometimes, sometimes, quite a lot of my work has been with uh, using data, using data as a material. I would say. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. I've, I've become a little bit known for data viz work. I'm not super hardcore data viz person. Mm -hmm. um, that's just one of the things I do. But uh, yeah, and I, I used to be a director of a an agency with 30 people many years ago, and left that. Um, about five years ago now and was always doing things on my own and then decided to make a break from that and because you end up just managing people you know when you've got an agency mm -hmm. that big mm -hmm. so now yeah five years five years I left that and uh, it's been great I'm very lucky to be able to do what I do and you know and push some pixels around the screen and get paid for it. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, that, that's such an interesting development because I know very little people who did that step, like build up an agency, but then actually go back to freelance and working yeah. on themselves. And for you, it seemed to have worked out really well. So I think it's great to to see that model work. Yeah, you know, you you are, you know, trying to, to get work all the time as well. It's not, you, you can't, as you know, you can't just put your feet up. Um, so, but it, yeah, so far, touch wood. It's uh, it's worked out well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you said you're not a hardcore data visualization uh, person, but I think that's exactly the interesting thing because we have a lot of people on the show who are, yeah, in the core data visualization area and think about charts and how to make better charts or think about data analysis. And I think you have a, a bit of a different perspective on data and you work in a bit of a different way with data, and I think that's that's very interesting. And uh, maybe we just talk about a few of your projects and okay. how you work and, and maybe then touch on a few mm -hmm. wider themes and how it relates to the uh, the data visualization. Yeah, world, sure. Say. Yeah. So one absolute classical classic project from you is Cinema Redux, I guess. This Is this probably your, your best known project, I would say? Your big hit? Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is like, yeah. This is like, yeah, like you say, my triple gatefold sleeve album um this is yeah this and it was something that 
It's weird. When I first did it, I mean, I, I don't think I ever thought of it as a, um, a piece of data visualization. Um, and it came out of just playing around. Like like all of us, we do. You know, we, we play around with stuff. And this was just, I think it was a rainy winter Saturday afternoon. And I was just playing around with stuff. And uh, I'm kind of obsessed with film. And so I was looking at how I could reinterpret film. And, and it's one of those things that, you you put it out there, you know. I I didn't really think. I thought oh, it's quite nice, you know. Maybe there's something in it, and it's. I'm always surprised at what other people think and and the reaction. You know, you, as you as you know, you. I don't know about you guys, but. I I always hate the work I do. Well, not hate is probably a strong word, but you know, you only ever see the flaws, right? So mm. you put this work out there, and you you know, yeah, I think it's all right, and then you move on to the next thing, and then. It seemed to get a bit of a you know a life going to it. It was featured on blogs and 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 it took a it actually took a few years. You know, it's uh, someone picked up on it straight away, and then it's you know and then it went away again, and uh, and then yeah, it got into uh, MoMA designing the Elastic Mind and the permanent collection eventually, and and it's uh, it's still touring the world. I think it's currently in Mexico City as we speak. So it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been, and that was... Developed two, a life of its own, yeah. Yeah, and that was 2004 when I first did it, and it's still going strong now. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been a nice thing to be... And, and, and also the other nice thing is everyone seems to know it, and if someone does something similar, they refer to it as a, a cinema redux, which is, which is quite nice. So maybe after I'm dead... At least there's someone who remember remember that, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe for those who don't know it, let's describe it briefly. It's always difficult on a podcast. Yeah, you yeah, sure. check out the images because they are really striking and stunning. Yeah. But what it does is basically it's a summary of a movie in, in one picture, and it yeah. consists of still frames. Is it one per minute? or? Yeah, it's uh, one row is, represents 60 seconds of the movie. So it's 60, oh, right. 60 yeah. it samples it every second. Um, and I guess what's interesting from a data point of view, it doesn't abstract the data into any other form. It, yeah. the, the data is is the form, so uh, which is quite different to a lot of how, how data visualization is done, of course. So, um, and I didn't really think about that at the time, but I, I guess that one is one interesting aspect. So, and yeah, it does that for the entire film. So you can see the ebb and flow of the editing process or the colors that are used, uh, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And, um, and I think I also did it because, you know, we don't have things on our shelves anymore, really, uh, like, you know, DVDs and things. And the idea was how could you physicalize um, digital stuff? Uh, so you could have this on your wall and have it in your house and someone would come in and go, I didn't know you liked Hitchcock's Vertigo. Maybe it would uh -huh. be a conversation starter or something. And I'm, I'm kind of, Obviously, a lot of times obsessed with that idea. So, yeah, that's how it that's how it came about, and uh, the reaction people. I don't know. I, I actually don't know why people love it, but they seem they just seem to. Yeah, it's quite. It's, you know, it's, so, it's such a simple thing as well. It's from a code yeah. point of view, it's probably the simplest project I've ever done. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, but yeah. it's you know, loading the movie for loop yeah, export images. Exactly, that's you it. could probably do it in FFmpeg in a one line. Yeah, or exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> you could. Yeah. <laughs> you could even make a little app that turns any any movie any you like yeah. into. Yeah, that. Into yeah, the, that's, the same that's thing, being right? talked about. I think there was an app. Someone did do an app that could do something similar. Uh, you know, and I'm, I think, great, that's, that's, that's a really nice thing, yeah. Maybe the iPhoto, the zoom-out version on the iPhone has has a very similar thing right, as well, okay, if you yeah. zoom out of your photos. So yes, yeah, it does. Maybe yeah. it was inspired maybe, by, maybe. by your quick <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll I'll take that. It probably wasn't, but yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's the aspect I like the most about the project. It's, it's simplicity and still how effective it is, right? So uh, I've been looking back at some of the images that you have in your in your website. I mm-hmm. just can't stop flipping through these <laughs> the movies. It's like yeah. I think I keep comparing them, right? And also trying to figure yeah. out why you have two or three rows that look different. Yeah. Then maybe there are just a couple of frames that are red. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. Yeah, because it's obviously you'll see normally you're seeing them at 24 frames a second and so you don't notice the odd, um, you know, maybe that full screen flash of red or whatever. Yeah. So, um, and I think that maybe that's what people like about it. I, and you know, we um, we have a gallery of them, and um, people tend to buy the ones that mean something to them. So, you know, mm-hmm. like, like anything, you know, it's uh, that's that's the ones they want to purchase. Yeah. Is it permanent at MoMA? It's in the permanent collection, so it's not permanently on display. So they they have it in their permanent collection. And so uh, I think it was in another exhibition. They used it in uh, Seoul in Korea. Uh, They had a tiny an exhibition visiting thing there. So uh, so they can use it whenever they want. And I think they've used it in MoMA have used it in three exhibitions. Um, But the the main one that's been used in a lot is the, the, you know, Big Bang Data and um, so that continues to just go around the world. And it's nice to see it, you know, on Instagram, suddenly a cinema redux pops up and, you know, and, and especially people in front of it and looking at it. I really like those photographs. Yeah, it's nice. And and I think it's so interesting that you say you don't really know why exactly this one caught mm. on. Probably you have a hundred experiments like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> some of them in your drawer, some of them mm. published. Yeah. Um, yeah, but one hits a nerve and, yeah, develops this life of its own. And, yeah. Uh, but probably you couldn't have done just the one. You need to do the 99 other ones as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's the thing. Well, Otherwise, it would be easier. Well, that's it. That that wasn't the first one I did. I did some other things, you know, different uh, treatments. And that's one of the great things about programming. You know, you can change a few variables and get a totally different aesthetic. So, uh, But the problem with that is that when do, when do you stop, you know? So uh, on commercially, that's usually because of budget or time and a combination of the two. So, um, but yeah, you, and also you get, you get bored, you know, you think, right, I'm kind of done with this now. So let's, let's move on. So, so it was very much an iterative thing. And that, and that was the one I think that, that struck a chord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, nice. it vaguely reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this idea of indexical visualization. We had on the show, Dietmar, Dietmar Offenuber, um, who's been talking about this idea, been, yeah, researching this idea of indexical visualizations, which is basically, um, I, I still have to figure out what is the exact definition, but I think basically it's visualizations that you you are visualizing the phenomenon by showing the phenomenon directly, right? Ah, right. <laughs> it's like yeah. the, the object 
itself displays the phenomenon that you want to visualize. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, so, I think and there's it, a name it strikes for that, me like I'll a look, similar, similar example here. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. It's uh, and I, I actually read there was a guy who did a, a thesis on it, and he mentioned it was it. He picked up on that, and I hadn't really thought about it. And it was only when I read it in this thesis, I was like, oh yeah. Not, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, it is. It's yeah, like yeah, that. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So yeah, and that I think also brings us to another like big area of your work. You you do a lot of very artistic, aesthetic data representations mm -hmm. that are maybe not strictly charts or graphs, yeah, yeah. you know, or diagrams. Mm -hmm. But I think you think about data and how we can represent it in, in a totally different way. So uh, you do a. a a lot of interactive installations, I guess, where mm -hmm. you might have live streams of data or some user-generated data. Yeah. Um, I found the Doris Lebot uh, mm -hmm. project very interesting where you would generate a little creature, basically, yeah. for, for Twitter users. Yeah. yeah. Can you explain yeah, a bit so how that works? That was, um, yeah, I'm really, that's one of my favorite projects, I have to admit. Um, and it was done quite quickly. Uh, so uh, a studio called Bright in France uh, got in touch with me and they were doing a, a marketing event for Twitter in, in Paris and they wanted to for someone to create a, a creative use of Twitter and they were inviting all these marketing companies from across France to have this night of look, look this is how Twitter can be used creatively in, in marketing campaigns etc. So um, they showed me the venue And the venue was this really cool space that had all these screens built into the walls. And they were kind of, they reminded me more of windows rather than screens. So I said, well, what if we were looking through, imagine it wasn't a screen, but we're looking through a window at, at some creatures swimming around. Or I said, not mm -hmm. in a kind of cheesy aquarium screensaver kind of way, um, but maybe there's something we can do with that. So I created a system where uh, people could tweet into it and it took the Twitter profile and we worked out some metrics such as um, how you know how how long have they been on Twitter how active are they on Twitter um, that kind of thing how many followers do they have how many people do they follow and use that as a kind of DNA for the for the creature so the main body shape is based off the Twitter profile ID. I just used some a little algorithm to create a shape, and then there's things like if if they have really big eyes, it means they're more voyeuristic. So uh, that's that's if they're following more people than is following them, and okay. um, their bodies are more colourful if they actually are, are quite prolific on Twitter, you know. Yeah. And then we had bots, so we had these like representations of bots that would really hassle the popular people. And it's, uh, there's these squares sort of following them around. Anyway, so, yeah, it was just like a one-night thing. Um, and it, it worked really, really well. Um, and the creatures, in the end, what happened was, because they're all generated in real time and these 3D meshes, um, I got my friend at the local university. They've got um, a big 3D printing lab and full-color one. So I took some of the models down and, and we printed them out um, as, as full-color 3D prints and then uh, gave some to the client. And, and so I always like doing stuff like that that is 
not part of the brief and that these little side effects mm-hmm. come out of the project. So, yeah, that was... Um, and I have to tell you, you know, the, the money involved with that was was not amazing. It, was, it wasn't great, but I've had lots of work off the back of it. Right. So I think it's, you know, oftentimes it's about value. You know, how can you leverage value out of these things? It's not just about the money you, you paid, but, you know, I got quite a bit of PR out of it and it leads to all the work. So, you know, it's all good. Now you get invited to a famous podcast and everything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. you know, this is the pinnacle of that work right now, this moment. It all led up yeah. to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> yeah but i think it's so yeah and i think that's there's a huge value in like just taking an idea and just running with it mm, <laughs> i yeah. totally agree but yeah. yeah at the same time you have to think about when you do that you can't do that every time right and so, yeah yeah well, yeah. well just i've had you know people look at it one of the the projects i'm working on now is this 30 screen video thing and They kept referencing Doris Labot, and it was actually even used in their early press materials to say that I was going to be building this thing for them. And they used mm-hmm. that in the press release because people, they really like it. And it's very simple to understand as well. It's like, that's a creature made from your 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 Twitter profile. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's, again, it's been another one that's, that's been great, great for me, really fun to work on. Timeline was really short. But, you know, you don't have time to overthink it, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I think what's what's interesting there, what really shows is that you have, you do have a long background in, in tinkering and playing with code mm-hmm. and also working in generative design and creative code and in this processing type of world, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, so so you you have a certain toolkit or a certain mindset also that, oh, we could do something like Swarm-like or something, you know, with creatures and particles. Yeah, yeah. And somebody who might more think about, okay, what data do we have and what's the best form to represent that data might end up with like something more chart-like. But yeah, yeah. Because you have this sort of mixed background, I think you immediately think in different Terms and you can also come up with these types of things then quick because yeah you need to have this experience of course how to how to do these things yeah right? I think it's more um, yeah it's it's an attitude it's um, you know to me everything is you know numbers and I like to take those numbers and use them to to generate things with um, so it's just an attitudinal thing and um, it's weird I had a, I had someone on Instagram the other day um, I think it was about the audio player thing I'd done and and he said to me um can I just ask what what business um what industry did you study and what industry are you in and I said well <laughs> I'm completely uneducated I never went to university <laughs> college nothing um and I guess I said and you know and I'm a designer by profession um but I said I'm I'm just curious that's the number one thing to be is it's just I'm just curious about you know, can I make that thing work or, you know, so, so that's what really drives me. It's not about, um, what, how I've been educated or anything like that, but it's just strange how some people go. The first question is, okay, what can I study to do that? Uh I think you Mm -hmm. just have to be, you know, curious and, and interested in things. Yeah. But he didn't ask you what your day job is, yeah, at least. No, no. <laughs> your actual job. No. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, That's a yeah, start. Exactly. Then. Yeah, That's good. Well, it's That's a bit good. hard to describe for one. So. 
Yeah. And and one more question. So for these, you also have a couple more, um, let's say, data artwork pieces like the digital city portraits, yeah. which I really like, and a few other ones. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your, like, do you get a lot of visits from the data visualization police who say like, ah, you can't do that. It's like totally unreadable <laughs> and uh, we have to arrest you now. Or, or do they mostly ignore you? <laughs> they mostly ignore me. Yeah, uh, I, I don't really. Yeah, I, I, I have massive. You know what? I had. Um, I'll tell you a story. I had a massive sort of crisis of confidence on working on a project we uh, just before Christmas. Um, yeah. I was on a team that was um, working on some VR stuff, and they had. Um, and I was brought in to sort of make make it look more beautiful, uh, which is usually what I'm brought in to do. Um, and they had a this brilliant like data guy on the team data scientist really knew his stuff and when he was talking on this conference call i was like god i don't know any of this stuff he was you know <laughs> methodologies and all this kind of stuff i'm like yeah i yeah. don't know i just you know so it, I, i got off the call and i thought god I'm, i don't know I know nothing about data visualization. You know, I, I know, I know what makes me happy and, and how I think I know how to communicate something and, uh, I, you know, and I, I, graphic design is my passion and I, I like aesthetics and composition. And that's what I study. I don't, I don't know anything about the science of, of data viz, right? So it's a little bit, which is why I've never really, um, It communicate. It's like I'll give you. You know, I did this James Bond kills thing, and it was, it was, it was, it was a tribute to Maurice Binder, who did the lot of the titles for James Bond, and he did the Doctor No titles, and so I did it in the style of the Doctor No title sequence, and there was someone online who said, "This is terrible. It's like it's it's a bar chart, and you're using different you know sizes of on this bar chart, which is like you just don't do that." And I said, "It isn't a bar chart." <laughs> You know, you're you're see, you're seeing it as a bar chart. I was I wasn't right, trying to yeah. make a bar chart. Why, yeah, you know? So yeah. it's it's that kind of can be a little bit annoying. But you know what? I have I have total respect for people who are so you know the rigor of data visualization and you know the, the, the stories that re they reveal important stuff as well. So it's that's just not me. I do, my mm -hmm. brain doesn't work in that way. Um, which is why, I, you know, so I don't, I don't go on lots of data viz blogs or, you know, and I know what I like, um, you know, I, and which is why I sort of engage with your stuff. It's like, and I, I think you've got the best strap line of any data viz person or truth and beauty is like, what's better than that? You know, it's, it's, it's two beautiful things. <laughs> Can't so, say no to that. Right? No, exactly. It's just totally, <laughs> totally sums up what you do. And, so yeah, so I've always been on the peripheries of that, um, and I, I, weirdly, I never get invited to speak at DataViz conferences ever, um, which is you know telling, I think, because I think they just think I'm a bit crap. So you know, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be, um, you know, a DataViz person. You know, the, the stuff I'm working on right now, I mean, you could say is some DataViz things, but. They're kind of um, they're more about the beauty and aesthetics and, and a narrative rather than you know creating charts or something.
Yeah, and I think that's that also explains why why you resonate in a much wider wider context. But I, I think at the same time you can bring a lot of really interesting perspectives also to the data visualization community. So and I also noticed you don't show up at the typical conferences no. as speaker and but you speak a lot at let's say interaction design conferences, yeah. general design conferences, society mm. related stuff. So um um yeah, but it's interesting and but often I think it's also just more or less yeah how how things fall into place you know and and mm. you have always had a background in more in the creative coding uh, and yeah. design and i think what interests me is is popular culture i've always been that's yep. what's always you know people say to me you go to a city and you go are you going to go to that museum i said no i've just been to the supermarket it was brilliant <laughs> you know because there's like all these amazing products but it's isn't it weird how and i, I read something recently about it, it, this, a lot of this is sort of intellectualizing things of um, it also all come from the grand when people did the grand tour, you know, and that's so and it's the same kind of idea that, uh, well, in order to be intellectual, we have to go to museums and things like this. Mm. And it's actually, well, you know what, I like going around a, a supermarket or, you know, I think they're just as interesting. That's not dissing the other stuff. It's all part of the mix. But anyway, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah. Longer story. Yeah. Uh, th third project direction. So it, as you can see already, Brandon does a lot of different types of projects, but a third sort of, let's say, whole genre where you do a lot of work is uh, analog interfaces and yeah. tangible UIs and maybe something like hardware mashups where you take mm. like known things, but bring them together in, in really mm -hmm. new and, and interesting ways. And I think that has, yeah, it has become a big part of your work and maybe your, yeah. your home in a way, right? Mm. It's this yeah, hardware yeah. tinkering. Yeah. And uh, you just uh, um, completed a project called Plastic Player, yeah. which is really nice, I think. Yeah, cheers, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, so that one was, um, I've had this idea in my sketchbooks for years and years and years. And, and, and let me just say as well, The idea of using NFC tags or RFID has been around for a long time to to play music. IDO did something years ago. Uh, there's lots of great makers and stuff who do stuff with that. It's, it's brilliant. So, you know, there's nothing new in that. I think um, as I get older, I want to, I'm making less things, but I'm trying to execute them better. You know, it's really mm -hmm. important for me to execute well rather than make a load of stuff. I sometimes mm -hmm. get frustrated with a, You know, you see like a great project and it's it's filmed like on an iPhone that's like as a, on a pogo <laughs> stick. I don't know. I mean, it's like, why do people do that? So, so yeah. So I wanted, Can you I describe wanted, the, the project? What yeah, it does? so the project is, um, it's a way, it's an analog interface for, for Spotify, essentially, or it could be any digital music service. service. So it's a, a white um, box and uh, it has loads of slots in it and in the slots are th uh, 35 millimeter slide mounts and each slide represents an album or a playlist and you take that a slide you place it on the, a certain area within the uh, within the interface and it um, connects to a raspberry pi um, over the wi-fi and it it tells it what to what Spotify playlist to play. And it's all done 
I don't need a computer on or it's not connecting with a desktop computer or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's, and that's connected to my 50-year-old Bang & Olufsen uh, that I got <laughs> off eBay for like 40 quid years ago. Uh, so there's that really old technology, which still works, which, you know, a lot of new technology w- won't be working in five years. Right, I'm right. going to look forward to that. So, so yeah, and you can put an album on. Um, I can, And then you take the slide off and it, it stops it. You can put it back on and it plays it again. <laughs> and then, oh, you can swap it for another one. There's uh, next and previous buttons. So, you know, I can... The idea is that I'm not... Because I've got vinyl as well, and I kind of, you know, I love I love vinyl, um, and I love when you put a vinyl record on. It's the to me, it's that anticipation just before the needle drops. Mm. To me, that's exciting, and I kind <laughs> of miss the physicality of it. I and I, let me just say, I also, I love digital music. I find so many new music through it, new bands, things. It's, it's amazing and fabulous. Um, but I also like the physicality of of the vinyl. So this project was about trying to uh, fuse those those things those things together. I, I certainly don't want it to be, you know, rose tinted spectacles. wasn't wasn't the past great because I see I think it's not about that for me. I I see that a lot, and I I don't want it to be that. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I put this on the internet and. Um, it, it's done really, really well. It's had lots of tweets and featured in on blogs like Core Seventy Seven, and you know, so um, and yet, which it, which for me is, it, I, I use these things as a. I think side projects are great if for you know putting yourself out there and going, this is me for potential clients. If that's you know that's the direction you want to go, so these are, are very much like my sort of CV. The the things I put out there to disrupt the status quo, to get people talking, maybe to annoy people occasionally, that's good as well. <laughs> um, but it, it, it gets people, you know, and it's also, it's also, I would also say as well, if I just say, if you're, if people are doing, listening to this and thinking about side projects and doing side projects, make sure that they're photographed well and, you know, because people are more likely to feature them um, mm-hmm. if they're photographed well and, and written well and, um, so I'd really, you know, encourage everyone if they're going to do this kind of stuff or are doing this kind of stuff, to make sure that's part of the the process, not like an add-on. Yeah, that's so, a really good point. Yeah, and it's just, it's one idea only, right? But it's as you say, it's executed really well. So you know, the photos look great. The the whole mechanics of the thing is, is yeah. just nice. You know, the 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 choice of material is good. Get you know? so it's this is all there. Yeah. Well, you know, the yeah. slide mounts thing. I've had a box these box of slide mounts in my in a drawer for ten years. Right, and yeah. you know, and I thought I'm not going to throw them away because I know one day, and it's also what interests me about technology is. Because I thought about doing this years ago, and it was really only RFID that was available. But RFID is quite big and chunky, uh, relatively. And now with NFC, you can get these just tiny, thin stickers. So now you, you can't even see the magic sort of thing. So it mm-hmm. seemed more more doable now in the way I wanted to do it. Um, so yeah, it's I get a lot of requests going. Where can I buy this? 
and where's the Kickstarter page? And <laughs> yeah, you should yeah. do a Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah no, and it's just... <laughs> Buy a lot of slide mounts on eBay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, electronic projects on Kickstarter always go well, don't they? Um, so, yeah, yeah, no problem yeah. there. No, no problem. So, yes. So, and, and the thing is, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm moving on and doing other things, and I just like to put these things out there and... You know, and 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 get people to talk about them. So I'm more about that, really. Um, I'm probably a rubbish businessman, to be honest. But uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, but I would totally buy it. It's yeah. looks beautiful. And, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, yeah, it's it yeah. it needs more iterations and stuff. But yeah, there's um, and it's th- that kind of object that people enter in the room and say, "What what is that?" Yeah. And when you show yeah. them what yeah. it is and how it works, it's like, "Whoa!" Now yeah. I got I want one. <laughs> yeah, well, my my brother was the same. My brother came in and visit, <laughs> was visiting, and I said, "Oh, I'll try this," and he was like, "What?" How, he was like, how, how does that work? That's magic. Like, yeah, it was like magic, which is, you know, it's nice when you can make something that has that kind of feeling, you know? Yeah, and a lot of your pro- projects uh, like point in this, uh, in, in this, or like pick up this idea that we take something tangible or something mm-hmm. old and known and then bring it together with this digital yeah. world, which, you know, sometimes it fits great and sometimes there's a clash, but you always think about like, ah, oh, what does it actually mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. the, is it, do we want to go back to physical albums, like putting up one album and listening to it completely yeah. or yeah. How does it relate to playlists and, and yeah. recommendations? Yeah. And exactly. Like you yeah. also did yeah. the six, six monkeys project for, yeah. for MailChimp, for instance, mm-hmm. like looking at how we can interact with email and like having, for instance, an off switch for email in your yeah. apartment, you know, yeah, which yeah. it would be brilliant to have. Everybody <laughs> yeah. would, would love to have that. Yeah. Right? And like, again, that's, that's just a simple notion that, but that's the one, I mean, it, that project went nuts. It was, it was crazy. Uh, the amount of PR I got from it. And it was even, you know, honored in the fast company awards. And when I looked at who else was honored in the same category, it was like IDO, MIT, yeah. and I'm just some <laughs> idiot in the North of England, you know? So, um, but yeah, so the light, the, the light switch for email was the one that a lot of people was like, I will want this and where can I buy this? And, and again, it's just the, it's thinking about, you know, we're surrounded by this stuff and because we're surrounded by it constantly, we don't notice it as much. But if we just take a moment, you know, we think about light switches, they give us permission to turn off the lights. You know, if, we, if that wasn't there, it'd be very difficult. Um, so, um, you know, you'd have to take a screw each light bulb out sort of thing. So that's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking about with email. Um, and, and then the other things, there was, you know, five other objects that were all to do with physicalizing email and our relationship with email. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, again, you know, great, great client, MailChimp, fantastic. Um, they just let me run with it. Um, and it was, yeah, it, and it, as I said, it, it got a lot of, it got a lot of attention. Um, so it's, it's about, I don't care who you are or, or how small your team is, how big your team is. It's about putting these these ideas into the world that are, are maybe a little bit different, and you know, and, and anyone anyone can do that, um, you know, with with the right idea. Yeah. And can I ask you, like practically speaking, how how do you balance out these self initiated projects and these open explorations and the tinkering and playing with 
with the actual commissions and the more goal-directed work? Is it like, do you first do a, f a few weeks of explorations and then a few weeks of commercial projects? Or is it always a mix? Or how, how does this work for you? What, what's what's a good balance? I think a lot of it is, is dictated to by, you know, how many projects I've got on commercially um, mm -hmm. and, and the deadlines. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not really, um, I try and use my time uh well uh so i might you know i might be working on a commercial project and just think i'm not feeling it today so i'm gonna watch a film or work out some code and how to do this and I, i a lot of the way i work is i have you know probably like you you know you you have these little experiments and you you code it up and then you think right i might use that on something in the future so i i, I use any spare time like that um and i'm also i i tend to do and because i have a library of from a code point of view i have a library of stuff that i use a lot mm -hmm. um i can make prototypes very very quickly uh from a software point of view um and then from an electronic point of view i know how to you know glue certain things together to make them quite quickly or proof of concept so um yeah i don't i don't spend uh so I can do, I can do things quite quickly. Um, and it's just really, yeah, it's just that balance of knowing, okay, I've got a deadline for this tomorrow. So I really need to crack on with that. Um, <laughs> you know, you have to be, you know, it's that rigor of, you just have to be a responsible person and, and know that, okay, I can meet that deadline, but, um, I can take a few hours off, you know, and whatever, and still meet it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's just, I guess that's how it works for me. Um, you know, I, I might have two months where I've got no work on. Um, so rather than go, the world's ended, <laughs> you know, and be depressed. <laughs> Getting I, bored. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I try, okay, how can I use this time? So I'd, I'd make like the plastic player or I don't know, whatever, you know. Nice. Uh, it's yeah. a great model. I think it's, it's great if that works and. Uh, then these two directions can always uh, inspire each other. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. This is how it keeps going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Mm -hmm. nice. Brendan, do you have any specific process you follow to generate new ideas or they, they just happen? <laughs> um, I think, no, I, I don't know if I have a specific. Um, I think just being, being open to things, open-minded about, things um not i don't think you can force it i think if you know as you know the worst thing is like sitting in front of a computer or a sketchbook and going right think of idea <laughs> and it just doesn't you know as we know it just doesn't work like that and and i think that's why you know the often cited thing of in the shower or you know having a shave or whatever um mm. is i think what happens is and i'm sure there's lots of science behind this but you your brain switches off because you're doing a, a task that is very automated. So, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I'm having a shave and, but my brain then starts to think about things. Um, and it's not thinking about shaving because it's automatic. So your brain goes into this kind of thing that it does, um, that thinks about these other things that have been festering there. So I really like, I think that's important. So essentially, you know, switch it, switching off, And doing something, that's why people say, you know, go for a walk or, you know, mm. uh, you know, oftentimes, you know, you, 
you either wake up and you go, oh, that's why that code doesn't work. You know, I'm an idiot. And it's, it's a really simple <laughs> solution. Um, or, you know, you, you go out and you, you've been trying to solve something for three hours or four hours. And it's, and then you just go out. I mean, it's happened to me so many times. I've just gone out and come back and go, oh, and, I did, you know, you sit down and, and it, you do it in seconds because it clears your mind. So, so yeah, Enrico, I said, I, I guess that's that's my kind of process if it is a kind of... I did have a great uh, process diagram that I show at conferences. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen, but... It's essentially chaos, like a scribbly yeah. line, and then yeah. a circle at the other end. And it's and that's and when when I show that people, they go, "God, that's how my process as well." Yeah, it's yeah, how to draw an O. And you're trying to get to this like perfect form, you know, a circle, which you never can get to. It's like this, you know, perfection is like this cruel joke um, that you're trying to get to, but no one ever gets to it because all you can see is the the things that are wrong with it, but. It's a it's a good goal to have, I think. I just realized the hardware and and software tinkering might be good too, because if you work on hardware tinkering, you get manual, and then you could maybe in the back of your mind solve software tasks, right? Yeah, so yeah, th this, yeah. This combination seems to be promising too. So not not yeah, just sit in front of the computer all day. Yeah, yeah. I often do that. I think right, I'm going to do something, you know, make something with my hands if I'm doing some software installation or something, you know, just right, right. just for an hour or something. It's yeah. Or, or draw or whatever, yeah, yeah. So you've been mentioning coding quite, mm -hmm. quite, quite a bit during the interview, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering if if your default mode is always to start from from code, or that's just one of the many many instruments that you have. In your yeah, I, I I like to start coding quite early on. I mean, I always start. We you know, I, I think a, a pencil and a piece of paper is still just a lovely, you know, it's it's a great way to. Um, think because the yeah. the page doesn't really. I know it can be quite frightening, but it doesn't really. You've got permission to make mistakes. That's what I like. Where a computer is is a bit more judgmental. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, so um, so yeah. But I always I like to start making these little code coded things with with every project that I work on, commercial or not. Um, I make you know, black and white little experiments and and I share them with a the client. And the to me the the things to to criticize, the things to start a conversation. Um but because I have a library um and one of my libraries is available um for processing, you know, so I can make a grid or I can make a Vogel spiral or all these kind of things very quickly. Um it allows me to think in a in a visual way. Um, and just play around with stuff. Because I think when you're playing with code, things can come out of that process that you didn't know was there. Yeah, unexpected. And, uh, yeah, yeah, the unexpected stuff. Or, you know, maybe you're tilting the 3D camera in a certain way and you go, oh, wow, that's an interesting compos composition. So those kind of things, yeah. So, so yeah, I tend to code very quite early on yeah and and processing is your favorite environment or yeah i guess i have two processing and uh, open frameworks I, i really love as well it depends on the project um i think you know my go-to tool is processing because um it's a hard one to describe i find it a lot more freer in some ways where open frameworks feels a bit and i love open frameworks but it feels a little bit more heavier 
Do you know? Mm. I'll see it more. A lot bit. of different libraries. Yeah, and exactly. And, yeah, yeah, and sometimes mm. you press that build button and you pray that it's going to say "build succeeded." You know, and <laughs> yes, it's yeah. and I know you, you get lots of errors in processing as well, but it feels more. And I guess it's because that's where it's come from. It, it, you know, they're called sketches, um, so it, it feels more sketch-like to me. Uh, and oftentimes, so the Doris Labot thing that started out in processing. And then when it got to a certain point, and I didn't plan this, the frame rate was really starting to drop. Mm. And I, I think two days before it went live, I recoded it all in Open Frameworks. Wow. Yeah, so, <laughs> which, you which have is, some nerves. It, wow. Which is not, and I, I wouldn't suggest people do that and follow that as a methodology because it, it's not, it's scary. But, but yeah, so sometimes you know you you need the beefy processing power of um, of open frameworks. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Um, for print pieces, processing is is definitely better, um, without a doubt, because um, open frameworks being OpenGL is more three uh, D stuff. I think a lot of the time. But yeah, yeah. so it's a, a combination of the two. Starting to get into touch designer, uh, which is is kind of crazy nuts. Um, I used to do a lot of Node-based, uh, Node as in graphical programming years ago. So I'm starting to get back into that again. So we'll see. But I, I'm up for using anything, really, you know, that allows me to manifest my ideas, I think. Yeah, sure. Yeah, nice. Yeah. And, yeah, we have to wrap up soon, unfortunately. Yeah. But I think, I hope people took a bit of inspiration from your approach and especially in data visualization where everybody always says you need to start with the data you need to start mm -hmm. with a question maybe it's also refreshing sometimes to just start with experimentation and ideas yeah. and, and sketches and charming little mechanisms and then see mm. how they fit the data you know yeah. maybe that's a, a valid approach to yeah it. yeah <laughs> so, yeah so what's what's next for you what are you working on can you give us a little teaser yeah. of things to come maybe um i've got uh One of the main projects is for a 30 screen uh, video wall that's in the oh. foyer. It's it forms the foyer of a new building in Manchester. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a, it's like a co working space, and I'm doing a piece for that. Uh, that there's a, a Microsoft Connect involved, so it monitors the activity in the foyer. I bring in Twitter feeds. I bring in um, the weather. And so it created the idea. It's called Formata. So Formata is um, <clears throat> for the musicians that are listening will know that it's a, a musical notation that uh, represents a note that is held longer than is normal. Mm -hmm. um, so I liked that idea of, okay, well, all these people are passing through the foyer. Let's take them and, and extend them beyond their normal time frame. So it's, it's very abstract. You can't actually see people. Uh, so it creates these moments on screen and then creates these um, ribbons and and then there's there's a background of like abstract Twitter data. Uh, the wind alters how the particles move. So you've got the interaction of the building outside. Mm -hmm. um, so I've just done, um, it was going to launch at the end of January, but the, the building is still being uh, built. There's some floors that aren't quite ready. And we're doing a big launch night, a big cocktail party thing. Um, so that's now been moved back to the end of March. Um, so, but you know, it, I just done a teaser. We just installed a teaser on the screens, which looks really, I'm really pleased with it. And the other thing I'm working on is, uh, again, another giant video thing. It's um, a 360 video projection. Um, 
and it's in one of these igloo things um, that has like six or seven, I think, or maybe five projectors. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't really say too much about that, but it's for a thing in central London. And let's just say right now I am learning all about oil tanker routes and shipping routes. <laughs> okay. So, And again, the client came to me and said, we want something a little bit more abstract, you know, and, and a bit more crazy rather than just, you know, charts and things so um yeah I, I just did one of the iterations yesterday and had a phone call about that and it's all going well so and then i'm doing a sound thing visualizing thing um for a sound design company and then uh, hopefully doing a collaboration with gary huswit of uh helvetica fame there in new york um and yeah, we'll we'll see what that gets, but that's equally exciting. She goes, yeah, it's been it's been a yeah, it's not fant- getting boring. Huh? No, it's a fantastic start to the to the new year. I just need more people because there's no one here to help. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need to make a little bot army. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't even have enough. A few helpers. Yeah, yeah, there's not even any pets. You know, so I can't even have a dog do something. So yeah. Uh. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll get there. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much. That sounds all amazing. We're, we're much looking forward to yeah checking these new projects out. You can find Brandon's work on brandondaws.com. We'll link it in the post, of course. And yeah, thanks so much, Brandon, uh, for coming on the show. Thanks a lot, Brandon. Oh, thank. Listen, thank you for having me. It's been a it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Data Stories again. Before you leave, here are a few ways you can support the show and get in touch with us. First, we have a page on Patreon where you can contribute an amount of your choosing per episode. As you can imagine, we have some costs for running the show and we would love to make it a community-driven project. You can find the page at patreon.com datastories. And if you can spend a couple of minutes rating us on iTunes, that would be extremely helpful for the show. Just search us in iTunes store or follow the link in our website. And we also want to give you some information on the many ways you can get news directly from us. We're, of course, on Twitter at twitter.com slash datastories. But we also have a Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast, And we also have a newsletter. So if you want to get news directly into your inbox, go to our homepage, Data Stories, and look for the link that you find in the footer. And finally, you can also chat directly with us and other listeners using Slack. Again, you can find a button to sign up at the bottom of our page. And we do love to get in touch with our listeners. So if you want to suggest a way to improve the show or know amazing people you want us to invite or projects you want us to talk about, let us know. That's all for now. See you next time. And thanks for listening to Data Stories. Data Stories is brought to you by Click. Are you missing out on meaningful relationships hidden in your data? Unlock the whole story with ClickSense through personalized visualizations and dynamic dashboards, which you can download for free at click.de slash data stories. That's q-l-i-k dot d-e slash data stories.